Welcome to The Fear of God, episode 19. We have come to the end of a year. Um, this is our first year's end here at The Fear of God. Uh, we are discussing, in general, we are discussing the horror genre and its intersection with Christian faith. And having that conversation is me, Reed Lackey, and me, Nathan Rouse. <laughs> um, so, first of all, I just want to say thank you for listening, and, and we're really, really glad that you're here. Today is going to be a little different than what you're used to hearing from us, particularly for the last uh, several weeks. We are, as I mentioned, we're at the end of a year, and that was an opportunity for us to do something a bit different. Today, we are not talking about one formal particular film or book or, or anything in the specific horror genre. This was an idea, actually, that you, Nathan, came up with. And uh, why don't you tell them a little bit more about what we're going to be doing today? Sure thing. Uh, first of all, Auld Lang Syne, Reed. Auld Lang Syne. Yep, yes. Yep. Should old acquaintance be forgot. But not this. Nope. This no, is never no, going to be No, 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 no. <laughs> Happy <laughs> New Year, everybody. Um, Happy New Year. I felt like as as he and I were sort of considering what... Or as you and I read, I guess I can talk directly to you. Um, <laughs> you know, as you and I were talking about how to sort of end the year on the fear of God, I felt like whether providential or accidental, our typical format sort of aided us in a way that maybe we might not have realized otherwise. Initially, as you and I were going back and forth, it was like, well, what if we do a you know, our top movies of the year or, you know, sort of just a mishmash, you know, stream of consciousness kind of conversation. Not that we ever don't do that, but I felt like there was some value in adopting our format of, of likes and dislikes of the year of scary things of the year of themes of the year that sort of presented themselves in the hopes, at least that, you know, a rich conversation can be had and who knows, maybe it'll be a short conversation. Um, but I just felt like there was a good launch pad for for uh, for conversation utilizing the format we'd already been using. So, yeah, I mean, that was sort of where that's, that's listeners. That's where we're going to be going. So if you tuned in to hear us talk about one specific movie, I'm so sorry. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you tuned in to hopefully get more of what you've gotten the last 18 episodes, uh, yay. I think you might get that. Um, and, and maybe, maybe a little more. Who knows? Yeah, I completely agree. And I was very excited about the, the, the possibilities here because not since our very first episode have we had the opportunity outside of the context of one specific film, uh, just to talk about sort of our thoughts on, on things and 
just life in general. So, um, so yeah, hopefully for those of you who are tuning in, like Nathan said, if you, if you just want to hear us talk about one specific film, then tune in next week. But if you, uh, you know, just enjoy the general conversation that we, that we tend to have about life and faith and all these other sorts of things, then, uh, I think, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have an interesting one for you today. So yeah, that's, uh, that, that's great. I'm excited. I wanted to start read and I didn't even pre-brief you on this, which I love that that's our word now. Pre-brief. Um, (laughs) so from a, from a loss of celebrity stand or heck from a general standpoint, 2016 was kind of a tough year. I think it can be said. Yeah. Um, were there any specific celebrity passings that affected you more than others? Yes. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, this year. So this was actually going to, I was actually going to mention this in my, in my dislikes of 2016, um, was, was just, uh, was just in general. The, we can the, we can consider this that. So yeah. We can, okay. We're, yeah. we're there. So so we'll we'll lead with our with our dislikes of 2016. I'll just mention the the handful that really stuck out in my mind because if we started listing all of the really major celebrities or major known figures who passed away this year, it's a sizable number. The, but but yeah, the one that that I think affected me the most. To be honest with you, which is odd for me to say because I would never have considered myself that big of a fan, um, was actually Prince. Um, losing Prince, I think, had something to do the the the, inf- the impact had something to do with his age, the fact that he was so young, and uh, you know, one more as is alluded to, uh, one more loss to drugs, which is always uh, kind of sad. I don't know uh, off the top of my head specifically what the parameters were for his passing, but I know that. drugs were an influence and i think he was a real revolutionary in the music industry he was somebody that i i would call myself a casual fan of his so i don't want to do disrespect to the people who were rabid fans of his i was i was only a casual fan but i think just in light of his passing and then reacquainting myself with his music i became very familiar with uh just how profound his artistry was and then the other three alan rickman i took alan rickman kind of hard and just because he's been involved in a number of things that I really have a lot of affection for, uh, the legendary author of exactly, well, I say exactly one book. It's two books now. Uh, Harper Lee, uh, losing Harper Lee this year. Do you two- say it's two books or do PR people say it's two books? Uh, yeah, I think PR people say it's two books. I still, I mean, she, she actually pinned Ghost Set a Watchman, but I don't, I am in the camp that it should never have been published. I think it should right. never have been published. Um, but, uh, but yeah, losing Harper Lee was, was pretty sad. Um, particularly with the release of Ghost Set a Watchman and all of the, all of the sort of controversy that surrounded, uh, that book and its release and the way it came to be published. Um, so I was, I was very saddened. Uh, that that was sort of one of the final notes uh, of her life and legacy. But uh, then the other one, very, very recent to now, um, I was a Leonard Cohen fan. I really, uh, really loved the song Hallelujah. That's an important song to me. And uh, and Leonard Cohen's passing was, I mean, he's, he's 82 years old. Um, so there's a certain degree of inevitability once once they reach a certain age, but it was still very sad to know that, that – uh, that uh, that catalog is closed. Hey, were there any for you that particularly hit hard? Uh, only one I was going to mention, and and before you went down multiple others, I was going to say uh, it's a deep cut, but a prince in his own right. Um, 
was Alan Rickman was who I was going to mention. So that's oh, a, gotcha. that's a yeah. half blood prince reference there, by the way. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I think you more so than me are much more cataloged in a lot of musical, uh, talent out there. And, and while, you know, cause the, the ones that came to mind, though, this is not my list of people that affected me was, you know, Bowie, yeah, uh, Bowie this year, Prince, of course, was a big one in Cohen. Like, it's possible at a certain point I would feel that effect somewhat, but Alan Rickman specifically, I mean, part of it is I'm reading through the Harry Potters with my child now, which, mm. you know, creates a whole set of, of nostalgia and memory for those, that material that I already had. I mean, I, I'd read them before and I've seen all the movies more than once. And, um, but walking through them with her currently, and him passing away, you know, you really felt that sting a lot. And it was just clear how much he loved having had the opportunity to, to play Snape. You know, it was clear yeah, yeah. The, the affection he had for that world and the esteem in which he held JK Rowling. So, so yeah, that one, that one, that one stung. And in fact, I remember it's funny. We're having this conversation now. I remember, you know, social media being the monster that it is. You learn about, these celebrities deaths in an instant and before you even sort of yeah. could put the pieces together. And, and I remember once Rickman had passed away seeing someone's like Instagram and it was a picture of him with just like a sad face, but there was no commentary. And I remember thinking, no, like, like, you, like there was nothing to indicate precisely that's what, that he had died. It was simply like, right, right. Oh no, please don't tell me, you know? Um, right. and sure enough, that was the case. So, so yeah, we're starting this episode on a really upbeat note <laughs> <laughs> talking about, well, I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll use the passing well, let me, of Alan let me, well, real, maybe... real quick. Let me throw something in here Go real quick. This is fun. You, the, uh, listeners will enjoy this. And, um, so recently my daughter and I actually going to see, um, uh, speaking of Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. We were talking about idioms. I've got an eight-year-old and she's, you know, in elementary school and learning all the things now. And we were talking about idioms and her grandmother, who has passed away about five or six years ago, her grandmother name was D-Dot. And so we're talking about idioms and uh, I think she had said, well, the one I'd heard was keep your chin up. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, keep your chin up. It doesn't literally mean put your chin in the air. It's, it's a, it's a turn of phrase that has a meaning for a certain context, typically geographically and kick the bucket came up. <laughs> and, huh. wow. and, um, and I said, you know, like kick the bucket. So kick the bucket doesn't literally mean someone has physically with their foot kicked a bucket. Um, you know, it means they've passed away and there's this pause from the back seat on the way to the movies and after about 10 seconds she just goes real somberly d dot kicked the bucket oh as a child grasps reality yes yes, yes. <laughs> this grandmother who passed away oh, five my. years ago anyway I, I derailed you where you were going no that's okay just uh to, to add a moment's uh possible levity um so when alan rickman had passed away so I, I should preface this by saying when leonard nimoy passed away um a couple years uh, i think it was a couple years ago now at this point 2015 i think um and when um 
Robin Williams had passed away. Um, I believe that one was rough. Yeah. Yeah, 2014, I think he passed away. But um, when they had both passed away, my wife was kind enough to call me, and she was the one who gave me the news. Now, I had I had only seconds before her call heard about Leonard Nimoy, but she was making a point to call me and, and give me that news because she knew those were people who were inspirations to me and very important to me. And, and so um, she was calling to make sure that I heard from you know, a loving voice and, and from someone who cared about me uh, so that I could react safely. So I find out about Alan Rickman, like in my, as I'm waking up, it's like, you know, six in the morning, I'm looking and I, and I see the news there. And so I, Alan Rickman, as special as he was to me, um, my wife's favorite character in the entire Harry Potter universe is Severus Snape. Like she adores Severus Snape and, and that, that character and his story is very, very important to her. And so Alan Rickman, by extension, is also very important to her. It was a big deal to her. And so, um, you know, it's like six in the morning. And so, and so I walk in and my, and, and my poor wife is still asleep. And when I walk in there, I, t- I, I just gently wake her up and I tell her, honey, I'm so sorry. I've, I've got some news that's going to make you very sad. And of course, I'm waking, I'm waking her up, <laughs> you know, to tell her that, that somebody has died. And so, of course, her brain's going like, what, what family members died? Who is, who, what, 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 what is it? And so I'm like, honey, Alan Rickman passed away. And she's like, oh, and she's sad. She, like, she goes back to sleep and she later said, honey, it was very sweet of you to try to tell me, let me sleep. Next time, just <laughs> next time a celebrity passes away. Just let me sleep. I'll find out in the morning. Something will have like, that's very, that's, that's very nice of you. But, uh, and it was just because I had found out so early in the morning, but, uh, you know, it, it was a year, uh, full of very, very difficult passings. And I will say just sort of as a final beat or possible final beat on that subject, I've heard, um, I heard it more in 2015 than I think I ever had heard it. No, 2014 too. You would have the reactions to celebrity deaths. And then you would have a group of people who would then say in varying ways, in varying degrees, that it was ridiculous for people to feel so sad or ridiculous for people to react so strongly to some of these celebrity deaths. And I remember I would always kind of come to the defense of anybody who was sort of collectively mourning the passing of a celebrity because basically people who would ridicule that or mock that were saying, like, you never knew this person. You never sat in a room with this person. You didn't know them on a personal level. And I would always contend in some ways, to a degree, sometimes artists or celebrity figures that inspire us or that we aspire to to be like or that they move us in a certain way can sometimes almost be a bit more personal than people you actually know. Um, And I know that that sounds a bit strange to say to some people, but it really can be like losing a friend. You know, like we mentioned Robin Williams, who, of course, passed away a couple of years ago. But like you talk about Robin Williams, it's like, well, no, I feel like now now I can't watch Aladdin without thinking about this. Now I can't watch Mrs. Doubtfire without thinking about this. Now I can't watch, you know, to bring it back up. Now I can't watch Die Hard or Galaxy Quest or any of the Harry Potter movies without even for brief moment remembering that Alan Rickman's not with us anymore. And it's just a moment to to understand that at least that element of the catalog is done. Their work is closed. The work that we receive from them is all that we're going to get. And uh and I think it's right to to grieve that. And I think it's right that everybody grieves in their in their own way. And sometimes that can be very public. I know that sometimes people can put on 
heirs to things. I'm not saying that everybody is completely sincere, but I know that a vast majority of responses to celebrity deaths are genuine and are very sincere. I always have a sort of an understanding for myself that like, yeah, people need to mourn these things in their own way. Uh, and sometimes that happens with a public figure. Sometimes that happens publicly. So anyway. Well, and I, I feel like I should ring the bell on you, even though it feels a little sharp to do so that you just made a list of Alan Rickman notable movies and did not include Robin Hood, you know, Prince of Thieves, you know, speaking of another Prince. Oh, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I ring mean, the bell. Costner, Costner may movie. be awful in it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's dull. You twit. It'll hurt more. You know, that's why you use it. I love yeah, I, I love that movie. I'm a defender of that movie. I know that, that objectively there are, that movie is not necessarily praiseworthy in all elements, except for Alan Rickman and I think Morgan Freeman's performances. But, um, but yeah, that I, I, I definitely should have the bell rung on me for not mentioning Robin Unless Prince we forget Thieves. Prince of Thieves contribution to the cultural lexicon. Uh, <laughs> Brian Adams, everything I do, brother, I do it for you. Like, Oh this, man. This guy could play that on the piano at one point in life. <laughs> well, we're walking awesome. down memory lane here. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's um, so good. Uh, moving into you and I had batted back and forth about how best to tackle some sort of best ofs. And, and I think what we settled on was sort of a, you know, kind of a top three movies. And I, I yeah. will. I would say let's precede that list with just sort of are there other pieces of media? Um, because, you know, we primarily deal in movies on the show, but I think there's value in kind of opening that, broadening that conversation a little bit. Um, and personally for me, like it's always, I know, <laughs> I know it is not difficult for you, my friend, to create very precise mathematical lists. I'm at work on my current updated top 250 movies, top favorite 250 movies. I'm currently at work on them. I've got my top 50. By the way, listeners, Halloween landed at number eight. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That is intense. Yes. Um, You know, so even looking through the movies I'd watched this year, uh, that was a bit of a challenge to narrow it down to a top three, but we'll get there. So I did want to open it up. Um, I've got a book. And I've got a pair of shows that, uh, you know, three of these three items had, excuse me, particular resonance for me, but I didn't know if you wanted to, what, what's, what's your sort of breakdown there? Do you want to lead a little bit? What's your first thing? 2016, in terms of my entertainment TV viewing, there is no TV show that absorbed me more in 2016 than Cheers. All right. Um, I, I, thanks to Netflix, started Cheers in late 2015 and watched the entire run of the show, um, uh, 11 seasons. And I watched the entire run and finished, uh, actually not that long ago, about a month ago. Sam turned off those lights. Yeah. So, uh, the final lines of, of the show. Sorry, we're closed. Very appropriate, very poignant. Um, but, uh, Cheers became for me comfort viewing, intense comfort viewing where I would watch, you know, four and five episodes at a time. Uh, I would always have it on even, even rewatching some episodes as I was doing things around the house or something. It would, it would be on in the background. And, you know, I mean, it really did. It's silly. It's silly <laughs> to think about this, but. You know, the theme song for that, you know, where everybody knows your name. Yeah. And it, it, it was this idea of the, when you feel troubled, when you feel distressed, when you feel, uh, intensely overwrought, 
the uh, the idea that you could go to a place where where you were just safe. You go to a place where it's like, hey, buddy, like just going to a location where there wouldn't be a ton of judgment. Maybe there would be some some mockery or some ridicule or something like that every once in a while. But for the most part, they're just yeah, as the song says, they're they're glad you came and uh, they're happy to have you. And that show had a a real pleasant quality to it. And I admire the show that that people didn't necessarily. Uh, things didn't always work out well for the cast members. Like sometimes they would get into the middle of a, of a problem and the episode would end with their problem either landing at, you know, a regrettable negative conclusion for themselves or at the very least they would kind of just barely break even. It was rare the episode where a character would come out on top. And I thought that felt so refreshing because Ultimately, they just kept pressing on, and again, you have this idea of a group of people that you feel safe and comfortable with, and that show provided me a lot of safety and comfort in my in my entertainment viewing, even though it was, you know, now almost 30 years old. Um, <clears throat> well, I've got two shows. Since you brought up shows, I'll bring up my two shows, and then I've got a book. Um, okay. My two shows, both of which I was uh, late on, but um, the most recent one... Um, well, I'll just say it before prefacing, uh, to the nth degree is, is Sherlock, um, the, the Cumberbatch Freeman ah. Sherlock. It's one of those shows that I had caught bits and pieces of over the years, but had never really just given full attention to partly because in the weird psychology, and I think you'll understand this of media consumption, you're consuming a 90 minute TV show but you can't check it off the psychological list of it being a movie. Right. Exactly. And all of them are 90 minutes, you know, so there's this weird psychology to it, but finally dove in fully um, kind of summarized for myself elements I'd already seen. And my wife and I more or less picked up from season two had already seen much of season one over the years, but uh, just what a heck of a show, you know, yeah, like, it's a great show. And I, I may have texted you. I can't remember like, Cumberbatch gets credit and rightly so, but, they, but Martin Freeman, man, he kills it. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. they're, 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 I'm glad they, they have intentionally served that actor as well as they have with that show. I think that's a fantastic yeah. show. The other one that we caught up on this year. Now, so have you seen Sherlock? Have you seen all of it? Oh yeah. 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 I'm completely caught up with Sherlock. Yeah. So did you, I haven't watched the special yet. Have you watched the? Oh yeah. 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 I've seen, I've seen everything. And I, I mean, I don't think that the show really has ever dipped in quality. I think it continually. And also I'm a very big fan of the original stories. What I've really been impressed with with Sherlock is how they've brought those stories, which are structurally very similar to the original narrative, but they've brought it into the modern world in very clever and creative ways. Um, and so it's always been fun for me to see, like, even just when I see the title of a show and I'm like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. Like, you know, uh, even starting with the pilot episode, you know, a study in pink and, uh, that's based on the, the story, the novel, a study in scarlet. And so it's just, it, it's a very cleverly done show. As you said, the writing is really crisp, but the performances, particularly by Cumberbatch and Freeman are exceptional. Yeah. I, I have no, I have nothing but praise to, to offer. Well, the and the, and the production value is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, something that impresses me, especially in kind of the modern serialized storytelling world we live in, despite my comment a minute ago about the, about the 90 minute episodes, they pack a ton of story into those 90 minutes. Oh yeah, they do. You know what I mean? I mean, like absolutely. the amount of plot that actually transpires in a given Sherlock episode 
is like a quarter of a normal season of TV. There's just so much that happens. Yeah. Anyway, the other um, TV show I wanted to mention, and you'll, you know, grin at this, was when we decided to embrace fully um, the Abbey at Downton. Oh, yes. Lots you know. of love for Downton Abbey and the Lackey household. Lots yes. of love for well, it. Well, and, and as uh, listeners will have discerned at this point, you being my hetero life mate, you know, being able to, <laughs> like, I remember phoning you the day after certain episodes and, and just decompressing that, you know, I don't know what that says about how I spend my time per se, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just really processing this show and, and, you know, even with our, our, this episode of fear of God is not meant to spoil a ton of media that people haven't actually consumed. So I won't do that. But even with a pretty significant production bump between seasons two and three, um, uh, yeah, they they still recover enough uh, in time to really deliver very strong latter part of the series. It's 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 yeah. it's excellent. Yeah, I think you're referring to seasons three and four. Is it three? And I don't want to say. Yeah, I don't. If you're talking about Are the major, sure? if you're talking about the ma- yeah, if you're talking about the major character exit, you're right. talking about three to four. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Because someone locally thought we were further than we were <laughs> in the series oh, and yeah, spoiled it yeah. uh, before we got to it. So, oh my gosh. Well, they didn't that spoil is... it specifically. They just spoiled kind of like, can you believe the such and such? Like, Whoa! I don't know what you're referring to, and I wish you hadn't done that. <laughs> I know. Um, I hate it. I hate it when that happens. Because we're both talking about when. Um, you know, Mr. Downton gets beamed up by aliens between three and four, right? I mean, that's right. what you're Right, 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 right. Yeah. And, and the aliens felt like such a non sequitur. And they don't really go back to them. You know, like they just, they, the, the ships come down. <laughs> you missed that then. So, I guess you didn't see all of it. They do return at the very end. And he comes, Oh, they do? He oh, back. that's so great. Yeah. That's so great. Real it's because they, uh, it's because the uh, the entire servant's uh, galley uh, ate after midnight. And then <laughs> that brought them, that brought them all. Um Wow. Listeners prepare for uh, all sorts of call outs to prior episodes yes. in uh, in this episode, including but uh, not limited to I don't have a dollar in my bank account, <laughs> grenades in a backpack uh, and uh, maybe even an appearance by Jimmy. But we'll see. Wow. We'll see what happens. Yes. He was short lived, <laughs> but he, he had a, he had a strong impact on this season oh, of the fear gosh. of God. Um, That's funny. Uh, the last thing I want to mention before we talk about movies is uh, just a book that had a profound impact on me. And that was. Um, uh, the book, A More Christ-Like God, not to dovetail mm. into something real serious by Brad Jerzak. Listeners at this point won't be too surprised that at least mine, and I think maybe yours, I hope yours, so that I'm not alone here. Uh, views can be, a, can, <laughs> our views can be a little off the beaten path sometimes in a faith context. And uh, this book, again, A More Christ-Like God, you can find it on Amazon with relative ease. Um, just really gave a lot of voice to a lot of the stirrings in my spirit about about how to articulate and live the version of faith that I feel like I'm sort of adopting and called to and all that sort of stuff. But but yeah, I mean, that, it, yeah. Was, it had a very profound impact on me and I would encourage I would encourage anyone to check it out. I would echo that. I uh, I'm actually, uh, despite your gift of it to me, uh, I think several months ago by this point, I am uh, halfway through it. Uh, my reading this year has been terribly disappointing. Normally, I am a voracious reader, but uh, this year, for a variety of reasons, some of them disappointing and some of them quite good, uh, I just haven't 
been spending as much time reading as I have been necessarily engaging with, say, extra movies or TV shows that I normally wouldn't have necessarily engaged with. But yeah, I uh, I need to finish that. What I've read of it, I've I've really thoroughly enjoyed and would also throw my weight of recommendation behind it. I do think that we, I, I don't know, you say that our, our, our theological framework is a bit off the beaten path, and maybe you are correct, and maybe our listeners would be nodding their heads, but I don't know. I consider myself to be pretty orthodox. I think that a lot of times, uh, and this is not a diversion that we need to have because we're about to talk about movies, but like, honestly, I, I consider myself, perhaps erroneously so, to be uh, sort of deeply orthodox in that I think that uh, there's an Christianity that has kind of subverted what I consider to be orthodox Christianity. And I think that a lot of times, culturally, there can be expressions of faith that I don't think necessarily align with what I consider to be more uh, orthodox theology. I don't think I've ever said it on this show, but I'll, I'll say this and then I'll bounce to your response. I told uh, uh, another friend of mine when he was asking me to talk about our show, I said, you know, we're not really trying to say anything new. I think we're trying to say something very, very old, uh, the kind of stuff that is uh, not necessarily on the front coffee table, but down in the basement where the cobwebs are thick and the shadows are thicker. And you might be a little bit frightening to go down in there and dig open that box. But that's the place where we're sort of mining this material and mining these sort of ideas. So I don't know if you would disagree with that, but I but I definitely feel like some of what we scratch at is... Uh, I consider it to be deeply orthodox. Well, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think what I mean to suggest in this phrasing of off the beaten path is what you would call in your term, America Christianity. I would say mm-hmm. again, with deference to listeners out there who may fit some of these mold, these brushes we're painting with, I would say there are many people who aren't self-aware enough to recognize that they operate in that world. And oh, so from you. that standpoint, yeah, I do think the things I think sometimes are a little a field of what would constitute what you're describing. Right, you know, right. I mean, I, I think the version of faith I live would would probably be you and I would have to write down our, our definitions of orthodox and compare them to know what each other is meaning specifically. But, you know, <laughs> sure. I, I, I think would probably align reasonably well with that. Yeah. So so Brad Jerzak, A More Christlike God is a beautiful book and you should make it part of your 2017. So, so yes, what about sir. some movies, Reed? You had some movies on, on deck that, that do not qualify as your top three that we're addressing. Right. So are these honorable mentions or just sort of, I watched these cause I've got some honorable mentions too. No, these are, these are, these are my honorable mentions. So uh, maybe we should go back and forth with your honorable mentions, because I have a feeling that I'm probably going to name at least a couple of yours. So, All right. um, so I'll let you go first. We're dealing with honorable mentions now, and then we'll say what our three favorite movies of the year are uh, as of now, as of this recording. Sure. But uh, I'll let you go first with one of your mentions. Um, and it should be, it should be mentioned in the honorable mentions. So I'm going to mention it for me more often than not. Well, one, one categorical thing when we're talking about movies here, um, I am not necessarily in my list referring to movies that released in 2016, but movies I saw in 2016. Oh, I got you there. Okay. So, yeah. so that's one of my rules. And we know when you follow the rules, you don't turn into a gremlin. <laughs> one of the other things is I tend to be much more, and this won't be too surprising to either you or perhaps our listeners at this point. I tend to vote more with how I felt about the the movie than necessarily do I think it's this extremely perfect textbook example. Of oh, yeah. Uh, objective filmmaking. So anyway, 
those will sort of guide some of this conversation. I think for me, my first honorable mention would be the Marvel movies that released this year, both Civil War and Doctor Strange. I don't know that either of them would necessarily, Doctor Strange might, but either of them would necessarily be in my top three. Gotcha. But I just, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Marvel fan for decades. And so it, it helps that they are operating at such a high caliber at the moment commercially and, and more or less critically. You know, and Civil War was a lot of fun, even though you and I have nitpicked it to death off air. But um, <laughs> Doc, Doctor Strange as well. You know, we've covered Scott Derrickson's Sinister and Emily Rose on our show here. Um, but Doctor Strange was just a heck of a lot of fun. And and it, it, I know you haven't seen it yet, but I may have mentioned this to you on the phone. Like, even in that way, that that sort of giddy feeling you felt the first time you saw Spider-Man swing on the big screen. Like there were oh, moments yeah, in yeah. this movie that kind of achieve similar results. And so I was really, uh, really excited by both of those. So that's, that's a first honorable mention. Awesome. Um, my first honorable mention, uh, I'm going to go to the places that I, I think are not likely for you to go. So my first honorable mention is going to be a film that I saw, uh, called blood father, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, stars Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson was persona non grata for many, many years after the passion of the Christ and after his, uh, very public personal meltdown and, uh, not getting into any of that. I think that's an unworthy conversation, but I will say that blood father kind of, is dependent upon you knowing a little bit about Mel Gibson's meltdown and, and and kind of where he is because the the premise is entirely about a man who struggles with addiction and had a meltdown and uh, now he has an opportunity when his daughter runs aground of some gang lords uh, he has an opportunity to step in and defend her and uh, I have to mention my my favorite line in the film um, is uh, she's confessing all of these bad things that she's done. And, you know, Mel Gibson's a very uh, intense personality. Um, and so he can definitely, when playing somebody who's getting aggressive and getting mean, he can definitely play that to the to the nth degree. Um, but uh, there's a moment that still gives me chills to just think about it, where she's telling him all the things that she's done and all the things that she's in trouble with. And uh, she said, I forget exactly her line, uh, but I remember his. She says something to the effect of, I've done so many bad things or I've murdered people or, you know, I've done all these bad things. And he looks back at her and says, Yes, and you'll answer to God for them, but not yet. And I'm like, mm. oh, man, that is it's awesome because that just means he's going to give everything he has to making sure that she stays safe and protected. And I think that film, unless you are just violently opposed to seeing anything that Mel Gibson's a part of, I think that film is very good. Be ready for a lot of violence and a lot of language, um, but it's a powerful film. And I uh, it, it is probably going to make my top ten. It's not my top three, but it's probably going to make my top ten. Well, and I would caveat your comment earlier with that being an unworthy conversation. And I know this isn't what you meant, but I'm going to nuance what I think you meant and say, I actually think that's a very worthy conversation to have. Um, I don't know that this podcast is the place at the moment to have that conversation, but, um, and, and, and your comment just a second ago about unless you're vehemently opposed to all things Mel Gibson, I would encourage a listener who feels that way to examine their heart, <laughs> which I say sort of jokingly, but I also mean sort of intentionally. Um, you know, I, I think you and I've had conversations about Mel Gibson over the years, and I think he is clearly a tortured soul. And, yeah. and I think it's interesting to watch the, the harsh resistance to his restoration, uh, both, right, right. both from a career standpoint and even from just a goodness gracious, a, a, a 
a person standpoint from being a valid member of a society. Um, I right. have, I have not seen it, but even the trailer and uh, you and I have a mutual peer who on Facebook praised up and down Hacksaw Ridge, um, which he directed. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I do think he's a bit more prone to uh, heavy levels of violence than I necessarily think are worthy per se, but I do think he's talented. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, both on and behind the camera. Um, and I definitely think, his is a worthy voice to have in the mix. Anyway, didn't mean yeah, for that yeah. to necessarily lead there, but there you go. No, that's all right. Um, I, I have, I have several and I want us to be able to talk about our, our favorites. So maybe we, maybe we bounce a little sure. quicker. What's another one of yours? Um, you'll appreciate that Calvary, which I only saw this year, oh, with, uh, Brendan Gleason yes. made my honorable mentions. Yeah. I love that film. though. Half asleep while watching it, it, it stayed with me. Maybe, maybe my somberness in watching it, uh, meant it nestled a bit more in my spirit, um, and being able to process it. So that's one. Yeah. I could not love that film more than I do. Another one for me, kind of uh, speaking of Calvary, I saw a film called last day in the De- last days in the desert starring Ewan McGregor, where he plays, oh, yeah, yeah. where he plays Jesus. Jesus and the devil and he plays the devil uh so the devil comes to tempt jesus in the desert and it takes significant liberties uh with the the textual narrative of the temptation of jesus christ but i think it's playing on a lot of interesting themes it, i don't know that it'll make my top 10 but it's a contender for it i really thought it was a an effective film i didn't immediately walking away walk away loving everything about it but i thought it was very thought provoking i thought it was very tastefully and artfully done so, uh, so I think it's worth checking out for any of the, any of the curious out there. Um, cause I definitely think it's worth mentioning. Uh, my last on the honorable mention list, which again came out in 15, but saw in 16 was room oh. uh, with Brie Larson, which if you haven't seen it, will, if you have a pumping heart, uh, will leave you yeah. a sobbing mess on whatever floor or seating thing you're sitting on. Um, but yeah, I would, I would throw that as my honorable mention that I watched this year. Yeah. And to echo that, uh, room was my 10th favorite film of 2015. I, yeah, I, I loved, loved, loved room. And the last honorable mention for me, and since you didn't mention this already, I wonder if you're going to in your top three. My last honorable mention, it's not one of my three favorite films, but I, I have to talk about The Witch. Um, I think The Witch is a very uh, interesting film that came out this year. We will probably eventually do an entire episode about it, but that's the last of my of my mentions of the of the year, as it were. Well, in the spirit of that segue, um, or in the spirit of that, let's segue into top three, uh, because of when I was combing my... Movies I'd seen this year, um, and kind of struggled to figure out exactly what my top three is. Mine's not quite as mathematical as yours is, um, or at least discerning these things. But, um, right here, staring at me in my notes, the third one on the list would be The Witch. Mm. You know, it seems odd to, uh, well, to you and I, it doesn't seem odd. And to probably many of our listeners, it wouldn't seem odd. But, you know, if you know much about this movie and haven't seen it, it would seem odd that this might break a, a top three list, much less an honorable mention. Um, but man, what an, what a fascinating movie. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's incredibly well made for one, um, especially yeah. for what I understand. I think is his first, that director. It's his first feature. So he's made a couple okay, of shorts, sure, but sure. it's his first feature. Yeah. Um, but incredibly well made, but also incredibly rich just in the possibilities of, of conversation. As you alluded, you know, it's probable we'll get there at some point, but really made a big splash in terms of the movies we tend to talk about. So that would be my three of my top three. What about you? Um, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll so no, the, you only have three movies. I know that's the thing. No, the three films that I'm going to talk about are all duking it out for number one. I'm ah, going to pick a third. Gotcha. 
at this moment, but they're all duking it out for number one. All of them are currently vying for that top spot. So these are my three favorite movies. Listeners don't necessarily hold me to this ranking that I'm about to give just in case it changes, but I'm going to put number three as Midnight Special. Mm. Um, Midnight Special really affected me a great deal. I love Jeff Nichols. Um, I've, lo- I've responded very strongly to every single film he's made. Uh, I hope to see Loving before it leaves the theater, but if not, uh, if I don't see it in the theater, I'll see it as soon as it comes out. Um, but yeah, Midnight Special uh, deeply affected me as a father, as a man, um, as a lover of story. Midnight Special was a beautiful, lovely film. I was not at all bothered by the ambiguity of some of the things and the mystery behind some of the things. I deeply responded to it, and I loved, 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 loved that movie. It definitely, I probably should have put it on my honorable mention. I mean, I stared at it for a good two minutes, wondering where to put it, and just ended up uh, leaving it off again. Mine's not quite as academic as your listings are. Um, I did throw in my top three because, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Midnight Special is powerful storytelling. Um, Cloverfield Lane, you know, we've covered it on the show. It, is that your number two? Uh, yeah, I would say it and the witch are kind of jockeying for similar position. There's, I, um, if we're getting real nuts and bolts here, there's only one clear one that would top my list. The others were kind of all sort of vying for, you know, attention. I think we're about to have a moment. Oh, are we going to have a moment together? You and I? Th- I? I think we're, I think we're about to have a moment because Cloverfield is my number two. Interesting. So, so yeah. So I th- okay. I think well, we're about to well have a moment. Cloverfield Lane. We'll see. Now I want to say my number one first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. So thoroughly enjoyable. I mean, like uh, you and I talked extensively about this movie on the podcast, but, um, saw it in the theater personally and just what a great, you know, from the, from the low key marketing to non-existent marketing. So you knew very right, little going right. in, I mean, to the performances, to just the general vibe and tone and the experience itself. I just had a lot of positive experience around Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. As did I, I mean, and honestly, like for the, for the sake of time and, and shameless promotion, I would say, you know, we had a lot of thoughts to say we devoted an entire episode to it. So go back and listen to, to our episode on 10 Cloverfield Lane. If you want to know some more of our more, more robust thoughts, but yeah, as I said, midnight special Cloverfield and the third movie that I'm going to mention are all vying for the top spot. It's very possible. Cloverfield Lane will be my favorite movie of the year. So do I get so I do I get to say it? I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you for reasons that'll be obvious in a second. Because I'm pretty sure your number one is my number one. Okay, it's Batman Superman, right? I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, you foul gremlin. Here I mean, I'm sitting here eating my chicken after midnight and you you, you had to uh, I know it's like it. I mean like I mean Zack Snyder, he just he just killed it. He took I mean, I don't know how that's not anyone's number one. No, he did kill it. Like oh, yeah. he took it out back yeah. behind the behind the barn, shot it in the face. He gave me new, like we're my with a bazooka. We we've got a third child on the way, and I think we're gonna name it Martha in honor of. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. So for no, any no, so for listeners, um, there's nothing serious about any of this. I, I really don't like the movie <laughs> at all. Um, no, my very first movie. I mentioned it uh, in our early podcast. Well, this is from like October podcast. I think would be uh, unquestionably Kubo and the Two Strings. Is that where you're going? That is my number one right now as well. Yes, See, the is. only reason I wanted to make sure I said it first is because I wanted the credit for introducing you to our our young friend Kubo. What a freaking amazing movie like yeah i love that film when i'm yeah. when i was so we went to, it's we're recording just after thanksgiving i went to see moana um which i actually enjoyed a lot but uh, preceding moana was 
the new trailer for Pixar's joke part three. I'm sorry, Cars three. And I watched that trailer and I was like, Pixar, I love you, but you are dangerously close to losing the top prize in animation these days because man, Leica is on their heels. And I mean, I don't give a ton of credence to award shows and stuff necessarily, but if Kubo doesn't win that, I mean, Moana probably will. I do think Moana is a really strong movie, but I would still contend that Kubo is, uh, is hands down the finest animated movie this year, if not of the last couple of years. Anyway, I could go on and well, on about that movie. Yeah, you and you and I disagree about uh, about what you would deem as the fall of Pixar. I was much... Well, I, more- whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say the fall of Pixar. I just said oh, well. there are other... The, for, a, for a company who has been unquestionably top dog for a decade or more... I That's do true. think there are That's some true. contenders who are challenging the throne. That's true. And Leica is one of them, particularly with Kubo. Um, I know I was very affectionate for Finding Dory. You know, as I mentioned, Finding Dory might make its way into my top 10. Which is, um, which so is, I, an, which is enough for me to kind of question you, like as a person. Wow. <laughs> you want to get into this? You want to have this conversation right now? Cause we, I will, I will no, own you. No, I'm um, just kidding. no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but no, Kubo is, is just a, a beautifully realized, a very brave film. It's, it's gorgeously animated. Uh, its themes are rich and plentiful and provocative. And I, I adore them. I mean, I've liked everything that's come out of Leica Studios. We already have heaped a bunch of praise on Coraline. I am to lesser degrees affectionate towards Paranorman and to lesser still degrees affectionate towards Box Trolls, but I've liked everything sure. that they've done. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I, I like Leica. Yeah. See what I, see what I did there? I do. Yeah. That was pretty obvious, but yeah. at any rate, um, yeah. So for the for the sake of getting into some some other meteor things, and for the sake of time, I'll I'll hop off that. But yeah, Kubo, well, you don't uh, need to hop off. It's Kubo. I mean, we could we could just go and go and Kubo. I will encourage <laughs> I will encourage listeners. A, I definitely encourage you to watch the movie. But B, yeah. don't um don't watch a trailer. Not that there's necessarily anything spoilery in it that can be spoiled per se. But do have Kleenex ready because oh, that man. that movie will surprise you in just all of the feels that it will conjure for you. Oh, I mean, absolutely! It's, it's it's powerful. Like, yeah, I don't I don't like hyperbole per se, but to me, that's the kind of movie that you're like, wow, this is what this medium is capable of. Yeah, I completely agree. No, I I I I love it so much. I thought it was really profound and probably one of the reasons that it's number one right now is just the proximity with which sure. I've seen it. Um, so that's why I'm like, like I said, Kubo Midnight Special and Cloverfield Lane are all duking it out for my number one spot right now because I responded very strongly to all three of those films in different ways. Um, and it, it will not surprise me if any of those three take the top spot once I finally land on the list. Um, well, let's do, let's do this. Let's do this read because, you know, I want us to be sensitive to our time. Sort of, I sort of want to be sensitive to it, but it is a year in yeah, review. Yeah. Um, and, but I want, I want listeners to understand too, if we come off as skimmy in the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, it isn't, but it, there's some heavy stuff. We're going to probably glance off of here. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, like we're, we're following our typical format. We've just spent a lot more time on the likes, dislikes category. Um, but, but I did want us to introduce two just kind of scary things. You know, what, 
And I mean that in a, in a real kind of life sense, you know, Reed, you and I did not pre-brief what we're kind of talking about. I may have a little bit to you when we first introduced the idea, but you know, at least leading up to actually recording, didn't really go into too much in depth of what we're talking about here. Um, I've got two things, one a bit more personal, one a bit more universal. I don't know what your sort of, how many things you have one. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with my personal and then you do your one and then I'll, we'll go into the kind of universal thing too. Um, for me personally, uh, you know, uh, if we're talking scary things, things that you don't see coming that, that, that happened to you in a given year at the top of the year. Um, and truth to tell, I can't exactly remember. I know it was the first quarter. We, we had our first miscarriage, um, uh, in our, in our home and marriage and family life. And that was a, that was a very challenging season and, 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 you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily intend this as, but do wish to encourage anyone out there who's married, who's experienced this, or maybe just recently, you know, take heart. Um, you know, there, there is hope and grace and redemption on the other side of this. But, you know, as I've sort of pondered talking about this on the podcast, you know, I just think, you know, there's just no more, there's no more, I think you would echo this read. There's no more refining fire of life <laughs> than your marriage. Like it will, yeah, yeah, it's true. It will reveal how awesome you are and how terrible you are in the yeah, same in the same hour sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And and something like this, um, and I don't mean that miscarriage is the end all be all. There's a lot of tragedies that can assail a marriage. Um, you know, will really reveal a lot about you know who you are and and the strength you have or don't have, and and sort of where kind of your hope can come from because what was really powerful to us, you know, was, was this experience of like, you know, my wife who clearly felt this in a very unique and specific way, you know, I felt this in a very unique and specific way and, and, you know, uh, to, to do justice to each other in our own marriage means having to sort of honor that fact as well. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Like, right. like you're experiencing this in a very unique and specific way. And likewise, and, you know, clearly quote unquote, things are better, but you know, we've been very tender towards that whole thing. And, and even as we've considered naming this child that we are pregnant with now and being sensitive to, well, you know, we kind of had a specific name attached to this, this child we lost. And, you know, just, there's a lot of sensitivities that present themselves that you don't really plan for or expect, you know? So I would say, Right. Um, I, I don't mean to just state this really heavy thing and then push past it. I, I want you to feel free to sort of engage some of that. I don't, I can't remember if y'all have had much experience with that sort of thing or not, but, but yeah, I mean, what, what sort of thoughts do you have there? Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll say two things very well, three things very briefly. So first of all, we did have, uh, we had a very early miscarriage before Sawyer, uh, but it was very, very early. Um, so we've experienced at least to a degree, um, some, some component of that. Also, uh, I, I did not, acquire their permission beforehand. Uh, so I'm going to say this and then acquire their permission. If you're hearing this, then it means I've received permission from my friend, uh, to leave this in. Um, so, uh, my friend, uh, Wes O'Hare, who actually did the, uh, did the, the logo, the graphics for us. Um, he and his wife have had some, uh, difficulties in that area. And the reason I'm mentioning that on their behalf is because his wife, Jen, uh, wrote a blog about it. And, uh, and is trying to sort of reach out to anybody who has experienced that through this avenue as, uh, as we've talked about safe space and, and talked about just sort of companionship and camaraderie in that arena. So, uh, listeners, if you're hearing this, 
that means I've received their permission to, uh, to include this and you can, um, I'll, uh, I'll probably insert, uh, the, the place where you can find her blog, um, and, uh, and where you can read a little bit more of that and reach out to her if it's something that you're interested in doing. And, uh, the website where you can find her blog is www.hellojenniferchristine.com, uh, both spelled the way you would typically spell them, um, and, uh, all one word, www.hellojenniferchristine.com. Um, but it is, I think, a worthy conversation to, to, to just understand. And this would probably be something, this isn't one of my specific, uh, likes, dislikes or anything like that, but just, uh, just family is always, uh, just a treasure trove of joys and riches and challenges. And I couldn't agree more with what you said that it will, it will reveal the best and worst in you sometimes in the same moment and, uh, particularly marriage. But I think parenthood and, uh, just, just navigating through life on behalf of a family, uh, I think has the potential to, to really show you who you are and particularly living a faithful life. I think compel you to who you should be. And some of us do really, really well with that. I consider you leaps and bounds ahead of me in that regard. I'm not playing humble pie there, but yeah, I do think that it's, it's, it's a challenge to, to navigate through the world. Um, just, just as a man, as a husband, as a father. Um, I know we have, we have, uh, female listeners as well. So I don't mean to be very, uh, specific or, or exclusive there, but, uh, that's the perspective that we come from as husbands and fathers and men. And I think it can be challenging sometimes with the expectations that you have to live up to. And um, I know I can only speak for myself, but I think you would echo that, you know, sometimes you experience a lot of failure and sometimes you just have to uh, trust the grace that that is being offered to you to navigate through whatever search, circumstance and situation you're dealing with. Um because you do, you fail a lot, <laughs> but yeah. it's, but you've got to keep going. So I think for me, uh, the, the one big thing might be, uh, if, if I know you well enough as to what your second scary moment is going to be, it might be a lead in to you. Um, scary thing for me was particularly surrounding the election season, but specifically the level and degree of division that I saw continually widen in our country and most specifically in the church at large. Uh, just an incredibly divisive chasm opened up, uh, with people who were hurling, uh, very, uh, blunt and powerful and, uh, direct statements about the other side of the fence, uh, that offered little to no reconciliation, that offered little to no hope at restoring any sort of relationship that wasn't a discussion. It was, it was a battleground. Uh, granted, it was a battleground often, uh, taking place over social media, uh, or it was a battleground sometimes taking place in personal conversations within the home. But, but I just saw this, this intense, uh, verbal war and ideological war develop up and build up, uh, for people. And, uh, that was frightening to me because, um, I mean, I do believe that a house divided won't stand. And it frightens me to see so many people, uh, just, uh, entrenching the division rather than reaching out hands of, of reconciliation. So that's, uh, that was something that was very scary to me to witness this year. It's a, 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 not quite personal, but it infected me in a variety of personal ways. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> this is what 15 plus years of friendship will do. Yeah. I mean, my, the other one was just, uh, the election of our president elect now. And, 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 right. 
you know, that won't be too surprising, I suppose, to people who followed us for these 19 weeks. But, um, and listen, I think that enemy love is a bedrock, fundamental, elemental force of our faith. Just period. I think, yes. I think if you are harping on people drinking or not drinking, but are willing to call out an enemy in your own life and not love them, you are in the wrong, my friend. But the point I'm trying to simply make isn't that, oh, all of those people or, oh, this new president, what a terrible person, uh, you know, what was challenging and remains challenging to me. You and I had a whole conversation on the movie Unfriended that was eerily prophetic. I don't think there's ever been a moment where more is being asked of those who would claim a faithful life in terms of communication and reconciliation and sensitivity. I mean, you and I had this conversation like shortly after the election, I found my, (laughs) it's amazing, you know, how this stuff all sort of clicks into place. It was, it was listening to our unfriended episode and conversation that made me start to recognize, man, I am in the swamp up to my neck mm. and I'm drowning in it because this was right after the election when this, right. when that episode aired and I had to take a break because I was listening to myself say things like your first instinct is the worst, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's usually that sixth or seventh or eighth instinct that's going to be the more refined, the more meditated on that's going to be capable of, of you following it and potentially trustworthy. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I have had to be very self-aware and guard my own heart in how I engage with social media these days because it is such a mess, man. It is such a mess. And, and I, I yeah, will I say, I mean, I think, I think, I think a marriage of church and politics will only and always ever end badly. Um, and so I think, I think there's a lot of conversations that could be had about the what's and why's and wherefores. Um, it troubles me deeply that uh, this is a personal statement from Nathan, not from Reed and necessarily from the fear of God, but that so many of our American evangelical peers, you know, helped facilitate this, but you know, it's a year in review where I'm, I'm tiptoeing close to, <laughs> to getting myself in more trouble than I might otherwise. But I would definitely say that was a, a sad and scary moment to me uh, as someone who got pretty invested in this process this time around. Right. Right. Um, well, and I'll, I'll possibly take the, the reins as we, as we look towards winding down and some final notes um, in the conversation leading out from scary moments into more themes. I had two. Uh, well, I, I have a third. Uh, I'm going to, with your permission, briefly mention my uh, my third one, uh, just because I want to give a shout out to my family. Um, we've already kind of talked a, a little bit about family and, and just watching my son grow a year older, um, as I'm sure you would echo for your daughters, um, watching watching my wife. Um, uh, she, she uh, finished up with some, some additional education and, uh, is going into early childhood education. And I'm very proud of her for that. And so just watching my family grow and change is always such a delight and a joy to me. Um, that was definitely a theme of this year. But the other two that, uh, sort of took over this year were, uh, the first one, unfortunately, is politics. I became more engaged in, 
in political discussions and political uh, assessment and, and just thinking about politics and listening to it and engaging with it uh, than I ever have in my life. Um, and love him or hate him, that's that's what uh, Donald Trump brought out in people. Is he, he he got a lot of people talking who would not necessarily otherwise have been talking, um, not always saying the best things. But I think uh, one thing I know we have some some deeply devout believers um, who were very supportive of Trump. I know we have some deeply devout believers who were very supportive of Clinton. I know we have some deeply devout believers um, who I would position myself in the camp who were like both have some real problems and we need to be very, very cautious and careful about how we attach a holy mandate or a spiritual mandate sure. to any sort of uh, any sort of political ideology. We just must be very cautious of that in total. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't engage with the political conversation. I think something that I would sum up all of my political talks this year basically revolved around the fact that I love this country. I'm passionate about America and I deeply, deeply feel grateful to have been born here, grateful to live here. I want to see it thrive, but ultimately, and I do not apologize for the statement, ultimately it is still a kingdom of this world, which means as a faithful believer, I don't fully and wholly belong to it. My ideologies and my mentalities must remain first and foremost to a kingdom that is not of this world and a king who I believe, uh, man, our non-believing listeners are going to think I'm off the deep end, but a king who I believe is soon returning to usher that kingdom forth. And that's where our priorities and our ideologies, in my view, again, I'll make a statement uh, like you did from Reed, not on behalf of Nathan, not formally as fear of God, but just as Reed, that that is where my first and foremost loyalties always lie, is to what I believe to be the calling of my king and the ushering forth of his kingdom. And even in every political conversation I ever engaged with, that was what I tried to urge people towards and what I urge anyone engaging in that uh, towards even now. Um, be patriotic. Be passionate about it. Discuss it and discuss it vibrantly. Um, but if you are a believer, never forget where you really ultimately belong um, and always speak into the truth of things that reality. And I, I think you would say, and I would say that I also have not done this well, speak passionately and vibrantly. But the second the person you're speaking to is no longer a person to you, <laughs> it's time to put yeah. on, it's time to put on the brakes, you know? Right. Um, Cause that's right. a very troubling, it's a very troubling spot to be in. And, and I think for me, thematically, there've been two kind of statements that, that I would use to define my year. One is my wife coined this and stole it from, believe it or not, Shonda Rhimes, but that was the year of yes. Um, mm. we, after having for various personal reasons, a number of years sort of not been plugged into a local church body have started to dip our toes back in that, uh, world. And, and so that was sort of part of this year of yes idea and starting to starting to re-engage what that looks like. Um, my wife sort of like yours is, has, has re-engaged the, the educational system and is in grad school. And, you know, just that though being a yes has a definite bearing on how that affects, you know, family life, um, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, in that spirit of year of yes, also we are pregnant with our third child. So, you know, there you go. I mean, um, but also in, uh, kind of juxtaposed with that was this notion of you can do hard things, um, which, which mm. we kind of say around our house occasionally, 
And one of those as manifest in Nathan is exercising routinely for the first time in 37 years. And that's an incredibly hard thing to do and keep up with, but it is something I wanted to do, but also of this church idea for those who are fully plugged into it, your hard thing may just be getting up on a Sunday morning. Um, for those right. who have been incredibly hurt and disillusioned by it, it may be giving a damn about it. And, right. and right. to those somewhere in the middle, it's going to take its own shape. But I do think there is some truth, however much I don't want it to be true sometimes, that there is value and goodness in, in the gathering together of, of, of people. Um, you know, there is that sort of to, to get, academic on you, uh, koinonia idea <clears throat> that something transcendent happens when people, people come together in that sort of setting. So, but uh, I, I seem like I'm brushing past that. I'm, I'm doing so because I'm acknowledging the fact that it's a very difficult thing when you have, uh, experienced a lot of hurt from the church. And so those right. of you who have done that, you know, I'm with you, I feel you. Um, it's, it's a long road and, and you might not be there yet. And I, and, I would say that the Lord would say, take your time, be gracious to yourself. You know, uh, uh, he's, he's there for you, whether you're inside a chapel or whether you're at home, you know? Um, so, so, I mean, those, those, that, those are themes we would sort of use to sum up our year on this end of things, the year of yes. And you can do hard things to read. You can do hard things. You can do it. I know. I I believe in you. you I have faith in you. And and that is actually accidentally a uh, perfect segue into my final thing, um, which uh, will probably be the final thing for the episode just for time's sake. But uh, so the first thing was politics, and it was unintentional that this is a second word beginning with the letter P. But uh, this has been a year of podcasting for me. I know this is much less... uh, uh, hefty and inspiring, uh, as, as what you've articulated, Nathan. But, um, this was a year, like, honestly, uh, probably one of the, one of the biggest likes of this year is just getting to do this show, just getting to start it. Um, I was laying away. I, I thought you were going to say it was like getting to do the show with you, Nathan. I was getting there. I was getting there. <laughs> like I have this whole speech prepared and you just decided to jump in. <laughs> please, but please no, continue. In all, in all sincerity, uh, I was sitting there, uh, you know, laying awake in March and uh, conceiving this show um, and thinking about how, how it might look and what it might be like. I started talking with a couple of people and then um, asked if you would join me in this venture and you graciously accepted. And, and here we are. And I'm very, very happy and very delighted and proud to be to be having this conversation on a regular basis we hope that those who listen to us uh, we've received really good response and we're thankful for that we're very grateful for that we hope you enjoy these conversations um i also want to um to just briefly i'm literally just going to rattle off a big list um in about a minute uh, uh i want to list off some of the other podcasts that have shown us some love um and and occasionally uh had the opportunity to have me on as a guest um to talk about the fear of god and to talk about movies I just want to briefly uh give out love to several people Aaron and Patch over at Feel and Film 
I was guest to talk about Blair Witch with them, uh, Feelin' Film podcast. They're, they're doing some great stuff. Real World Theology, uh, with Mikey Fizzle. Um, he, uh, has had me on a few times to discuss Zootopia, Star Trek Beyond, and most recently The Witch. And, uh, he has a number of guests there. They're doing some really good stuff over at Real World Theology. I also got the chance to go into their sub podcast called Real World Rewind with Blaine Grimes to discuss The Iron Giant. I want to thank them for that. All of these shows uh, and the three I'm about to mention now have really heavily promoted uh, Fear of God, and we're very, very grateful for that. I uh, also got the chance to visit I Do Movies Badly with Jim Rohner to discuss John Carpenter following our month-long profile. Um, and so I want to thank Jim for that. Geek Orthodox with uh, Robert, Dave, and Jeff had me on to discuss uh, Let Me In and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and I want to thank them very much. That's, again, Geek Orthodox. Um, and then even though I wasn't a guest on the show, uh, I want to say a thank you to Dorkness and Light. <laughs> Dorkness to Light, sorry, I want to say it right. Dorkness to Light um, with Emily and Alan Middleton uh, gave us a very, very nice shout-out, very complimentary, and we appreciate that for them. And, of course, as always, our, our host... Uh, and our family podcast, More Than One Lesson, with not only Robert, not only Josh, but of course, Tyler Smith. I want to say a huge thank you again to Tyler, uh, without whom we would not have a show. And this has been a year of just sort of emerging as a, as I feel like I'm a podcaster. Uh, Nathan, I feel like you're a podcaster. And I know that that can be, can seem a little silly, especially as much as we criticize social media, but, um, I feel like the conversations that we're having for whoever might be listening to them, if it encourages you, if it challenges you, if it inspires you, if it makes you think about something a little differently, or if anything that we say about any subject or topic um, in- encourages or lifts your spirit, makes you laugh, uh, makes you think about something a little differently, then that is what it is worth, uh, I know, to me, and I think also to you, Nathan. And so we just uh, uh, we just thank you very, very much, listener, for uh, getting into this year with us, and uh, we look forward to hopefully many more years to come. Nathan, did you have anything more you wanted to say about 2016? Well, I was, I was, I was jokingly thinking you said that, uh, in terms of the genesis of the podcast that, that I graciously agreed to come on. I think actually what I said was, wait a minute, you want to put a microphone in my face and have me just talk about my opinion on things? <laughs> of course I'll do that. <laughs> so yes, I mean, it's, it, uh, you know, despite the fact that we began, um, this particular episode with some, with a few downbeats, you know, it has been a very, uh, uh, good year in terms of this adventure. And, you know, I think that you and I have joked for years about the, the possibility of the conversations that we have on the phone, translating that into a more broadcastable version. And so we are uh, grateful to have been able to execute that. Um, Reed, I think as a fun, uh, farewell note, what are some things that, cause you and I have already been talking about this. What are some things listeners can look forward to from Fear of God in 2017? Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So, um, so as we're, you know, wrapping up and, uh, giving our social media cues, I think that you can look forward to a year of monsters. Uh, a year of monsters is, uh, is definitely on the horizon because, uh, again, we want to call out to that, that survey, uh, that we gave and that listeners responded to. So I think 2017 is going to be, uh, a year of monsters. We'll, we'll leave that there. Um, I think you can expect to see, uh, a little bit more literature from us, uh, in the future, maybe some really classic literature. And we also have some, a, a, a surprise upcoming guest, our first 
surprise guest. He will not be having the conversation with us, but listeners, stay tuned. I think you're going to be uh, delighted by uh, some things that we've got worked out. I have a, a dear friend uh, whose name you will probably know when I tell you, um, and he's going to be uh, joining us and, and executing some literary prowess for us. Um, so we have some very exciting things in uh, 2017, and uh, and we're going to get started Right away next week with a, a brand new formal format episode, the format that you're used to. We'll be letting you know what that is on social media. And, um, and you can reach out to us in, uh, in a variety of different ways. Nathan, did you have anything else before I, before I bring this home? I don't bring it home, my friend. Happy New Year to everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. So you can reach out to us in a variety of ways because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. So reach out to us on Twitter. Nathan, what's our Twitter handle? Uh, at the fear of God. You can like us on Facebook. You can post there to us. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. Nathan, they can follow you on Twitter at the Nathan Rouse. You know it by now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can also email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. You can post at more than one lesson to us. Um, and do give a shout out to, to any of the number of the other podcasts that we mentioned. We thank them from the bottom of our hearts from the, for the support that they've shown us. And, uh, and we thank you, the listeners. It's all, always you. And, uh, Nathan, thank you so much for spending this time with me and for having this conversation with me. And, uh, uh, your, your friendship means a great deal to me, my friend. And, uh, looking forward to whatever 2017 holds. Indeed. Likewise. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Zion is Spanish for Happy New Year. Um, <laughs> no, it really isn't at all. I don't think it. No, no. no. <laughs> I was like, uh, wow, I, you're I, just now getting that, man. Ah, oh, yeah, that's a good one. So yes. I'll catch it when we when we re-listen to it. When I edit it, yes. I'll catch it. I'll let, oh, that it, was very funny. Just, yeah, just edit it to where you're laughing. Uh, I'll do that. You know, I'll so do that, that. It looks like you immediately got the joke, <laughs> and I'll edit all of this out so that. The- <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year! Happy New um, Year! Anyway, so see you in 2017.